Hi, this is Karina Ganters, host of Behind the Pen. You're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. Welcome for joining me on today's A Read Across America Day. I have Adam Gaffin with me. Let me tell you a little bit about um, who I am. Um, I am an author of 14 books, a mixture of different genres. I am a podcaster, YouTuber, a booktuber. I am the host of the Author Assist show uh, on the Artist First Radio Network. And I also run Author Assist, which helps authors with their marketing and promotion. Um, that's me. And uh, I will be uh, telling you more about my books and uh, giving you a reading in a little moment. Um, do you want to um, introduce yourself, Adam? Sure. So my name is Adam Gaffin. I am the author of the Cassidy Chronicles, a series of five novels. There is a sixth book, which serves as a sideways prequel to the series because it was written by one of the main characters. It's Memories of Ayana, and it's about her childhood uh, with the woman that she would end up marrying. And you can see behind me, uh, the next book coming out is called Into the Black, and it's a collection of stories from the Cassidyverse, and that's what I'm going to be reading from today. That's awesome. I love that, I love that background. And uh, so this is going to be, is it released now? Is it out now? This is your latest uh, book. It is coming out in April. Uh, it's available for pre-orders now, and you can actually... There is one story which people can pick up for free by going to my website. There you go. And your website is? Is CassidyChronicles.com. Keep it Excellent. simple. Keeping it simple. Um, so, so today is, is uh, Read Across America Day, and I think it's really important that um, people, um, no matter what age you are, uh, that you read um it's exciting it's uh, it's fun and it gets you out of um the reality that we're living at the moment and allows you to step into a new reality and that's what we authors do we we make sure that we um give the entertainment value but we also take them away from whatever they're going through um whatever they're living wherever they're living and um bring them into our world. Um, I'm not talking about uh, sci-fi and fantasy, even just a normal romance. You're stepping into the character shoes that we've been writing about. And uh, that gives you a whole experience in itself. But um, if you do then add the sci-fi or the fantasy element and the world building for dystopian, I mean, you're just taken away completely. And, and it's fun and it's educational. You can learn a lot from reading. I, I've certainly learned a lot from uh, reading and um, I'm a big lover of books, but um, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, when the, the Kindle came out, 
I was like, no, I'm not going anywhere near it. I love my paper bags. I'm not touching it. How dare they bring this out? And uh-huh. I was totally, totally against it. And then um, I got a Kindle as a Christmas present and I loaded my first hundred books on and that was it after that. What about you, yeah. Adam? Oh, I, I, st- I still have, we have a, actually a room which is a library in our house and it's not big enough to hold all the books that we have. Um, but that being said, I, I definitely appreciate you know, the convenience of the Kindle and, you know, being able to read it um, across devices. You know, if I have my phone, I have hundreds of books that I can choose from. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it makes things easier. You know, it, it, it takes away from the whole, okay, you know, I'm going on a trip. All right. How, you know, what size book do I need to bring? Do I need to bring a couple of books? Yeah. Um, yeah. Finish the first one. Okay. I don't have to worry about that. I can pack other things or just leave the space empty because you know how, how it is when you travel, right? You always come back with more. Than you went with, <laughs> yeah. So, uh-huh. Somehow it all fits in the suitcase somehow. But um, yeah, when it came to paperbacks, and when we moved, we only had so much space. And so I had to keep the ones that I've actually paid for and got the full series of, like, um, I don't mind admitting it, like Harry Potter, like Lord of the Rings, like uh, Dean Coots, who I absolutely love, um, and all of Essie Hinton's books. Um, they take pride of place on my bookshelf with my own books um, and everything else then gets uh, loaded onto the uh, Kindle or the laptop because you can read books anywhere. Right. I mean, I, I have a, we have one bookcase, which is nothing but the autographed copies of books and, you know, a few other really old, you know, I have a copy of Lad, a dog from, I think it was printed in 1923, this particular one. <laughs> so even though Terahune is long dead and it's, it's impossible just about to find one with his signature, um, you know, that stays in there. But, you know, the ones that I've gotten from other authors those all go into that bookcase and those are paperbacks, hardbacks. If, if I've received them from somebody, you know, specifically from somebody, then they're in there. Yeah. Yeah. Private place. Exactly. So, um, so all my books, like I said, I'm, I'm a um, prolific author, 14 books, everything from young adult right through to um, erotica, dark romance. We've got fantasy. We've got sci-fi. We've got flash fiction. We've got horror. We have a uh, young adult. I've said that supernatural thriller. We've got motorcycle romance. It's, the list goes on. I'm basically diving into these new pools and actually making up my own genres uh, as I go along. Um, I love trying new things. I love um, uh, challenging myself to to try a new genre. And that's why I love doing flash fiction, because flash fiction, for those that don't know, it's also called one minute fiction. It's a very, very short story, maybe one or two pages and it has a start, middle and end. Now, some authors find this really difficult to do because you have a limit of words that you can use. So you have to be very uh, specific on what you're going to use and how you can play around with these words. 
um, and still have a, an amazing story after one page or two pages. And I love doing twists at the end of mine. So when the reader reads it, they're like, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming. And then they're on to the next one because it's only <laughs> one page. Um, so, yeah, I love doing um, flash fiction. And that I think it was writing flash fiction that got me into trying all these different new genres. Um, I have two collections, which is Undressed and uh, Heads and Tails. And um, these are all short fiction and flash fiction. Uh, Undressed has some poetry. I can actually call myself a poet as well. And when I went on this podcast, um, I had a couple of sci-fi um, flash fiction I gave to him to read out. And he says, oh, you're ever so dark. And I went, what do you mean? It's just sci-fi. He said, no, this is really dark. And so I took another look at my own work and I didn't realise that half the book could have fallen into a horror category so easily. So, so then I had a little idea. I thought, ah, I'll get all the horror flash fiction. And I'll make uh -huh. a little book with just the horror. As you can see here, the paperback is so cute because it's pocket sized and you can actually fit it in your pocket. And Very um, nice. yeah, it's, it's, it is, um, if it weren't for that podcast, I wouldn't have done it because I really didn't see my writing being as dark as it was. So I'm glad he, he did that for me. So I'm going to read a flash fiction, which is, as you can see, um, very short pages and it's one two pages and it's called soul puppet sandra sniffed disprovingly as she watched a young mother enter the charity shop she wondered just how desperate someone would have to be to buy second-hand goods refusing to look in that direction anymore she started to turn when a sparkle caught her eye the item in the shop windows flashed its gleaming light into Sandra's eyes, causing temporary loss of sight. And as she squinted and attempted to rub away the blindness, her interest grew. Pulled by curiosity, she crossed the busy road. People called out as she roughly pushed her way through the traffic of shoppers. However, Sandra was oblivious to all around her. The teasing sparkle wheeled her closer. She stood outside the charity shop, her gloved hand pressed on the cold windowpane, her mouth open in awe, spellbound by a ring. To another's eye, there was nothing special about this antique ring. Sandra thought it was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen. She wanted it. She had to have it. Never mind that she had so much jewellery in her home that she had to insure it against theft. Never mind that she didn't have one outfit in her extensive wardrobe that she could wear with the ring. Sandra believed it to be special and knew after putting it on her finger, she would never take it off. Along the middle of the ring, black stones shaped a zigzag pattern while white stones filled in the rest of the oblong shaped design. The ring was ugly in design, size and age and would look bulky on and odd on any female finger. Without further thought, Sandra walked into the shop. Good morning, the cashier greeted with a smile. The ring in the window. I want to try it on, Sandra said, removing her gloves and throwing them on the counter in anticipation. Taking the ring from the window display, the cashier brought it over. It's quite an unusual design. In fact, you're the first to show any interest, the cashier said. 
Sandra held the ring between her forefinger and thumb, believing it to be the most exquisite thing she'd ever seen. Priceless. Tagged at only £10, reduced by the shop owner several times in the hope of selling the damn piece, Sandra would have paid anything. She knew the ring would fit. Holding her hand aloft and staring at it transfixed at her purchase, she walked out of the shop and straight in the middle of a busy road. Tires screeched, horns blew, as Sandra's body flew through the air, slamming into a bonnet of an oncoming car. Her corpse lay on the ground, broken and bent. Satisfied, the ring released itself. Slipping from its puppet finger, it landed at the feet of its next victim, who, without thought, picked up the ring, pocketed and slipped away. And that was Soul Puppet from my collection, uh, horror collection Flash of Tales, and originally from Heads and Tails as well. Very nice, very nice. Hey, I, I've read a, I, I've read a fair amount of Stephen King. He's he's about as far as I go into the horror genre. But as you're reading it, I'm going, okay, when when you know something in the window that's calling to you, I, run out, turn, run away, run, you know. Go the other way, you know. This every, you know, every horror, you know, every horror reader's instinct in me is saying, "No, no, don't do it. Nothing good can come of this." <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, it was it was made out to be. Did she deserve what happened to her because she was a snob, and she looked down on people? You know, um, did that ring deliberately choose her? as its target because of who she was. It, it's thought provoking. It makes you think, you yeah. know? Yeah, it does. It, it does. And then, you know, of course it sets up, okay, what happened, you know, what's wrong with the next person that made them the, the next target for the ring, you know, or does the ring have some ulterior motive? We're talking about a ring here with ulterior motives. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> only, only only authors can have this conversation. We're talking about a <laughs> ring with ulterior motives. Um, so, you know, you know, is it just using these people to get to wherever it needs to go to next? You know, using them to travel a, to where it yeah. needs to go. Yeah, it, it certainly could be, or it could be deliberately. Um, picking out its targets for reasons i mean you could do another quite easy write another flash fiction using the ring in another situation it could go on and on and on anyway it's your turn adam what are you reading for us so uh, as you can see from the screen behind me i have into the black coming out that is a collection of short stories there are a couple of flash fictions in there uh, because i've dabbled in in that genre as well um, all the way up to there's a 35,000 word novella in, in this book. And I, I'm thrilled because it just, I just got my hardback, um, <gasps> proof, proof edition and it's just beautiful. Yeah. I love having it. Um, so I'm going to read part of a story because the nice thing I find about science fiction is that you can write any genre in science fiction. You know, you science fiction can be the setting. So this one is called Murder on the Missouri. And 
It's set, oh, about 120 years from now. And it's set in my Cassidy verse. The body of Cadet Ken Ferguson was found by her bunkmate, Cadet Samuel Austin Costanza, who was lying in a pool of blood, face down and half dressed in her skin suit. He screamed, bringing in more of his fellow cadets before Senior Lieutenant Stephanie Lyle managed to clear the scene. Assisted by Sergeants Aiden and Andrew Bergstresser, she secured the body, restrained Costanza, and isolated the other cadets, discovered rubbernecking in the small compartment. They abandoned their training crews and immediately returned to Njord, which is when the whole steaming mess fell into my lap. My name is Kyle Davis, and I'm what passes for human law enforcement in the Terran Federation. Okay, I'm not being fair. The four former members of of the Solarian Union still maintain locals for enforcement, but the Central Hub, the Habitat Njord, and the Outworlds are all automated and overseen by an elaborate network of AIs. But when the AIs are stumped, they call in the Ministry of Intelligence. Alyssa Jordan runs it. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that her sweet Southern Bell Act hides a mind like a damn computer and the tenacity of a Rottweiler. The only problem is her agents are soft. They've come to depend on their tech, their gadgets, and their AI assistants. They don't have instincts. They have programs and probabilities. That's where I come in. I was a PI on Earth before taking Jordan's credits to be her troubleshooter. If I'm being honest, she got me out of a sticky situation back in Las Vegas Free State. I won't get into the details, but let's just say there's a few families with a capital F who'd be perfectly happy to see me a couple meters underground. So I grabbed a lift, dumped the sand from my shoes, and ended up in an office on the habitat, underworked and overpaid, just the way I like it, until crap like this happens. How smelly is it this time, Al? I asked when she calmed me. She hated when I called her Al. Pretty rank, Kevin, she answered with a smile, jabbing me back. She was the only one who knew my former name and pulled it out when provoked. I thought it would be, Alyssa. You never call me otherwise. You know, we ought to get together for a drink sometime. I'd like that, Kyle, she returned, after we deal with this. Right. What is it? A murder. My eyebrows went up. Murders happened, but only rarely and the AIs usually had the evidence to snap up the suspect in no time. On the Missouri, crap on toast. Now I knew why Al was calling me. See, there was one place in the whole damn Federation which didn't have any AI presence, the Missouri. The full name these days was TFS Missouri NSCX1-01. She was the refitted USS Missouri. Yeah, that one. Built in the freaking 1940s, the rumor was she'd been intended as a weapon of last resort during the Artemis War, but was never deployed. Instead, the war ended, and the Federation was left with a half-converted battleship. Some bright soul decided it would be good to finish the conversion as a training ship for the Academy. Me? I would have returned it to Earth. Express, if necessary. I guess there's historical precedent. The old United States had a wind-powered ship with sails and masts and crap as a trainer until well into the 21st century. The point of that ship and the Missouri is to teach cadets how to deal without the benefit of modern technology. In this case, it meant no AIs, no QNET, no warp drive, no portals. If they could have figured out how to make them fly on steam power, they probably would have. All this flashed through my mind in a blink. No. Kyle... No, damn it, Alyssa, I need evidence, records. There's nothing on that clunker, not even a video system. 
So you have to do it the old fashioned way. Talk to witnesses, dust for fingerprints, gather evidence. I knew all this. I also knew I would take the case and was figuring out how to do it. No point in giving it easy though. Full access, nothing gets held back. I talk to whoever I want, whenever I want. Done, double my rate, done. And a date when I solve this case, not sometime next decade. Done, I'll even pay. Damn, she called my bluff. This must be serious. Who was the victim? She dodged. I'll send over complete biographies of the victim, her bunkmate, classmates, all of it. Anything you need that you didn't get, ask. Double damn. There, had, there was something rotten here, and sure as hell, I was going to find it by falling into it. I hate it when you're reasonable. I know, she said smugly. See you soon, sugar. Times like this made Vegas look good. <laughs> She's got some sass. <laughs> <laughs> So, is, are they, I mean, is she a detective? Are all the stories about her and solving crimes and everything? Uh, this one story is, is about Kyle and him solving this case. Uh, Alyssa is his boss. She, she employs him. He, he, he was a former PI. So I, I'm kind of going for the noir feel, you know, the hard mm. detective feel, the mm -hmm. Bogart. Um, black and white. <laughs> the black and white, you know, been there, done that, seen it all, um, you know, almost, almost cynical, but not quite. You know, there's just a, there's a, there's a thin sliver of hope still left in him, so, mm. which is why he keeps doing the job. Who is Cassidy? This is Cassidy Chronicles. So who is Cassidy? All right. So. There, there are two of them. The first Cassidy is Ayanna Cassidy. Um, she was the one at the beginning of my first book. It's at her wedding and a perfect day, right? They, they arranged everything. It was a perfect day, but somebody invited an assassin to the wedding who tried to kill Ayanna. Okay. Um, and she and her bride and her groom took off running. So th that's, that's the, the first book. And her bride, Kendra, who is the blonde standing over my shoulder. So she's the second Cassidy. And so the subsequent stories are about what they do together. Okay. And so, so they've established uh, this Terran Federation, you know, it's this interstellar nation now. And these stories are all set within it because the thing that I wanted to do in this book is, okay, the novels are big and epic and, you know, it's a space war and all this, that, and the other thing. Um, but life goes on for the people, you know, involved in this. So I'm telling stories about the lives that are going on, you know, before, during, and after the, the, the events in the novels. So this one is set, like I said, about 20, it's set about 20 years after the last novel uh, happens. So the Terran Federation is fully established. You know, Kendra doesn't even show up into this. Um, uh, Alyssa is a character who has been in and out of the books since the first novel. So there's a, there's a tie there. And again, it's the setting, but I wanted to write a mystery 
you know, a little noir detective story and put it in, into my universe. And that's what I did with Murder Well, Army. you can. I mean, every, every genre, subgenre can be into the main genre. Um, you yep. could go into any any uh, kind of uh, a storyline when it comes to you've already built your world, your world exists. So now you need to have the tales and what's happening and and build on from that. I, how long has this been going on, this uh, Cassidy Chronicles? I mean, when did you first start it? The, the first two parts of the first book I wrote back in 2012, 2013, and they were, you know, little 30,000 word novellas. You know, I was an early adopter with the self-publishing and they went out on Amazon back in 2013. And then there were supposed to be two more novellas and I stopped writing because life happened. You know how that happened. You know, you know how that is. Life happens. And then uh, in 2019, end of 2019, the company I worked for decided to eliminate my job beginning of 2020. We get into COVID and all of a sudden I figure out that's the bad guy. I know who the bad guy is. At last. <laughs> At last. I know. I can finish it. So I finished it and put it all together. And since then, you know, I've, I've got, like I said, five novels in the series, one, one sideways sequel, prequel written by Kendra, um, into the Black coming out. And there's another novel which is going to start a new branch on the series. It's going to deal with other characters. Um, and that first book is going to be coming out in June. I'd love to show you a copy of it, but I don't have the cover yet. Uh, this is a really involved cover. I had to, normally I have a designer and she does everything for me. This time I had to get an illustrator to do a drawing for me who then sent it to the designer who now has it and is putting the cover together. So a little more involved than it has been in the past. So there's no, there's no sign of you um, stopping with the, the Chronicle that you, you, you've, you're in that world. You, you've merged yourself in that world and you, I mean, you can go, like I said before, you can go anywhere with it now and you are. Um, so has anything else sort of, um, got you excited to, to try something new or has it always been this world for you? Well, I, I like I said, I, with the, with the short stories, because I'm already working on another collection um, because there are stories which, you know, they're, they're, they're perfect little, okay, here it is beginning, middle and end, you know, but it's only 5,000 words or, you know, 10,000 words um, or, 1500 words so i i have a number of those which i'm already stashing aside for another collection and those i use to experiment with other genres um there the there's one i just finished and sent off for an anthology um and it, it deals with one of the one of the characters and her ptsd she she is a survivor of of the Artemis war. And she happened to be the only survivor on her ship. She, she lived when everybody else died, it, it, you know, and she had, she saw some of them die. And <laughs> she saw her, she saw her partner die. And so she's dealing with her PTSD. And this is kind of the end of that 
part of her story. This is her finally moving past it. Um, so that, that story went out, but again, it's just, so it's, it's, uh, again, it's science fiction, but it's dealing with something much, you know, mm-hmm. more, more of a You stepped into theme. another, yeah. Yeah. You stepped you know, into I, another I, theme. Yeah. You know, I, I'd love to try my hand at a little romance. I've done a little one so far, no, sorry, two, two little romance flash fictions, um, but, you know, I think it would be fun to, you know, talk about some of the relationships that are going on. Um, you know, more mysteries, you know, if, if Kyle and his, his little situation here on the Missouri, if that plays out well, if I get another, if I get another inspiration, I might do another mystery. Um, I, and I do have other books, you know, and stories out there. The first thing I wrote almost 30 years ago um, little time travel and vampire mashup called refuge. Oh, cool. what would happen? Yeah. What would happen if vampires, um, vampires exist, they're being hunted by humans and one of them invents time travel. What would he do? Yeah. Exterminate the humans. <laughs> well, the, the problem is, and, the, and here's the catch. You can only go forward. One way ticket. You can go that way. You can't, you can't come back. So, and, and I throw in enough physics to justify why I say you can't do that. Um, oh, I, I I there's not to too much sure research that, for you because you can get fall down a rabbit hole when it comes to time uh, travel. And... Oh, there's always, there are always rabbit holes. There are always rabbit holes to fall down. Um, and I've written a couple of Sherlock Holmes stories. Oh, cool. Those are fun uh, because it, what I had to do is I had to read a lot of Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. to get the feel for the language and, mm-hmm. and, his, and his tone and his pacing. Because if you're going to write a Sherlock Holmes pastiche, you want it to be, in my mind, I want it to be as close to of course. Conan Doyle as possible. Um, and so, yeah, those are fun to write. Did you ever watch the uh, BBC series of uh, Sherlock Holmes? I, so that, that started coming out just about the time that life happened. And honestly, since then, I have not watched, I've probably watched 200 hours of television since 2013. Yeah. I only put my TV on for YouTube. That's it. Yep. Just don't, don't watch anything anymore. Strange, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'll usually have music playing in the background. What kind of music? What do you like? Um, if I'm feeling lazy, I'll put it on 80s on 8 from Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, that's when I kind of came of age. You know, the, that's the music <laughs> that I remember the best. Um, <clears throat> if, if I'm feeling a little bit braver, I've got amazon music and i've got something like eight thousand songs you know saved in my music and i'll just mm-hmm. tell it to play at random so it'll go from you know zeppelin to thea gilmore to you know to the interrupters and then back to rem and that who knows you've got a big a big uh, a, a big um taste uh 
for for music, not just uh, me. I'm I'm a rock chick through and through. I always have been. Um, even when I'm writing, I listen to rock music. Whether I'm writing a young adult, a fantasy, or a horror, or, or one of my motorcycle uh, outlaw motorcycle books, I'm always listening to rock songs because um, the the lyrics themselves tell a story. They're epic. They tell a journey uh, that. You know, these, uh, like Iron Maiden, uh, Bruce Dickinson, um, he's a storyteller and uh, his uh, some of his tracks are like 11, 12 minutes long because they tell a full story. And uh, he's also a writer as well, Bruce Dickinson, in case you didn't know that. He's an author of children's books. Um, and he's a pilot and he a gold medalist for the Olympics with fencing. He's a very talented <laughs> man, old Dickinson is. Absolutely love Iron Maiden. Um, never will get to see them in my lifetime, mind you. It is sad. Um, but, uh, yeah, rock music. And I used to sing in a band as well. I used to sing in a rock band. I was lead singer in a rock band, and we did gigging around the pubs and stuff. And, and so it's always played a big part in my life, that kind of music. Not that I won't listen to anything else, because of being a singer and, and like, karaoke now. I'm, I live in a small Greek village with donkeys and old people. And um, we live really <laughs> close to a tourist resort. And so in the summer, when the tourists do come over, which not very uh, many at the moment, unfortunately, but when they do come over, um, my husband works in a karaoke bar. Well, because I sing, and I used to sing, I don't anymore, I'm able to go down there and, and just enjoy my night out and, and sing and, and uh, entertain people, you know, get them into the bar. And uh, so I can sing anything from female vocals up to, um, you know, slow songs up to rock songs and, and uh, 60s and uh, 90s and, and what have you. So I have a big range when it comes to singing, but uh, for listening, I'm, I'm not, I'm ashamed to say, but I'm not ashamed in a way, but um, this is my daughter's fault. We've got into BTS, which is a, a Korean pop band, but they've actually broken America. They've had number one hits in the Billboard charts and won so many awards, music awards and everything. And they sing uh, a lot of their songs in uh, English and they're really catchy tunes and they're so good at dancing. They are really, really good dancers. So they've got the whole package and uh, yeah, we're quite addicted to them. Me and my uh, youngest, Alexia, who is 10, we're, we're addicted to uh, BTS. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try new you gotta try new things i feel embarrassed because oh, yeah. it's like you know i'm what i'm in my mid mid late 40s and and i like a a korean pop k-pop band <laughs> That's okay. each to their own yeah exactly <laughs> you know you you as well got your musical start in the 80s uh because you know i'm, I'm just a few years older than you and the thing about the 80s, especially when you go back to the early 80s, is that anything could end up on the top 40. You know, there was, <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. You think about some of the, some of the acts that were Ali, up on the top 40, Alabama, Oak Ridge Boys, Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, you know, the Commodores, Lionel Richie. Van Duran. Yeah, right. And, you know, and it, and it all worked together. So if, yeah. So by listening in the 80s and then towards the end of the 80s, you start getting into, you know, the, the, 
you know, grunge and hip hop start getting onto the charts. R&B. So you have R&B. So you have the whole spectrum of mm-hmm. songs that are coming out and being on the top 40. And then you can find them going in either direction, you know, going yeah. back, you know, 70s, 60s, even to the 50s and then forward 90s and then into the 2000s. What I'll do is I'll, I make playlists for, for my books. Um, three of my books have playlists and I'll, I'll play, I'll, I'll have that go and I'll have it on, you know, I'll have it play through on random. Um, and when it plays through, then, then the service is smart enough. It'll start selecting songs, which relate to the playlist, but they'll diverge, you know, so they'll, mm-hmm. they'll be, there'll be songs from bands that I don't know, or there'll be song, you know, songs, you know, there'll be bands that I know, but I don't know the song. Um, so you know, the interrupters, for example, you know, fun band they're out of san diego i think um and uh their big song that i'm aware of is uh, she's kerosene but they but yeah look them up sometime uh she's kerosene <laughs> by the interrupters um and they just you know very bouncy but they've only been hitting it big They've been around for 10 years, but they've been hitting it big in the past, oh, I don't know, three or four. So, Do you find, do you find music inspires you? Does it inspire you with your writing? It depends on the song. It, because I'll, if I'm writing and I'm listening to music and I have that going, if there's a particular song that comes on that fits what I'm writing, then I'll add that to what's going to end up being the playlist. Mm-hmm. And then I'll start listening for more songs like that because it starts to all fit together. So I, I, I know many authors do do playlists, um, uh, ones that are published, ones on Wattpad, they do playlists as well. And uh, I never thought of doing that because when I was writing my young adult fantasy, which is clean and it's, uh, it's like Harry Potter versus Lord of the Rings type of thing, but no stereotyping. There's no wizards, hobbits. There's no elves. There's no dwarves. There's nothing like that in my books. But I was listening to Saxon and Metallica. Now, you can't put a playlist like, <laughs> for young adult. Here you go. Here's a playlist. This is what I was listening to when I wrote this, you know. <laughs> so it's a bit It's a bit out of the, out of the, out of the norm. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, rock music always inspires me. So why did you start writing? What was it that, what what started the itch? What made you grab that pen? Were you creative at school or was it later on in life? I, it, it started during high school and with a sense, I mean, you know, if I'm being perfectly blunt, ego saying, well, I could do that. <laughs> you know, as, as a teenager, we're always saying that, aren't we? You know, oh, of course, I, I can do that. Sure. Oh, she can do it. I can do it. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, it doesn't need 20 years of practice. No, I could do that right now. Yeah, just give me give me a pen. Here, I'll write it right now. So I started then, and I, I've, I've read back through some of the stuff I produced then, and it's cringeworthy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just like anything, the more you do something, the better you get at it. What's, what, mm-hmm. There's a number that gets thrown around. Uh, it's like 10,000 hours of writing. You know, you that's when people are really hitting their stride. You know, once you've gotten through, you know, the first 10,000 hours of writing is kind of your apprenticeship because you're learning it and you're practicing it and you're getting better at it. Once you get through that, you know, then you're, you know, then you're pretty much, you are who you're going to be in terms of a writer, in terms of your skills. I, I, I think uh, the more you write, the older you get, the more mature and your style matures more and your writing matures. It certainly has in my case from, from, I mean, I can go back and I can write a young adult, but right now I'm certainly not writing young adult. I won't go into what I'm writing, but uh, if you like uh, dark <laughs> romance and uh, very explicit and graphic uh, books, then check out Road Rage and Broken Chains, both of them award-winning books uh, with award-winning um, book trailers as well that I created. Um We've got enough time to do another reading. If you want to find one of your flash, and I will read one of my flash, and sure. um, we'll, we'll do Beans. It's uh, all about reading. We'll do another, another story. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be nice? Mine's to do with wordplay. Now, I don't know if you'd have to be English to sort of get this. <laughs> or, or, I'm or married if... to a Brit. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Well, let me find it's like I said, it's all to do with wordplay on this one. Um, wouldn't it be nice? 75. OK, this one page as well. OK. Oh, it's not even one page. It's actually half a page. Look at that. Half a page. Half a page. There is that one. This is it. Right. Listen very carefully because it's it's wordplay. Wouldn't it be nice? Once upon a time, a pencil lived in a desk. She was beautiful and elegant, and her name was Stedler 4B110. All she wanted from life was to meet a handsome Stedler, fall in love, and have many smaller pencils. She once met a well-built eraser, but he just kept on rubbing up her the wrong way. She had her eyes on a particular pencil named HB110, although his conversation was blunt, he made his flirtation obvious. She had a few relationships with sharpness, but gave up when it reached breaking point. Helix only lasted a week. He was too much of a ruler and wouldn't give an inch. Currently worn down by the sharpeners, her attractiveness no longer left a mark. A new pack of identical sister pencils now reigned the desk. They flirted outrageously with uh, HB, causing envy and jealousy among the sharpeners. An almighty scruffle broke out ending with HB broken in half. Cast out by his fellow peers, he had no other choice but to roll his way over to 4B. 
Both were now on the same wavelength. So 4B led him into her corner and allowed him into her life. They lived happily ever after. Well, that was until they were thrown away. <laughs> Very cute. Very yeah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, flash fiction doesn't necessarily have to be serious. Um, and it is a play on words, especially when you have a limit, mm. like you do some of these prompts and they say, right, flash fiction with this theme, no more than 300 words. And I, I'd flash it out within a minute. I'd have it done. But some authors have a hard time with it. So I'm ready to hear your flash fiction, Adam. Okay. So this is about uh, 1,400 words. And the, the title is almost longer than the story. Uh, the title is On the Physics of Rotating Objects at the Boundaries of Gravitational Fields. Oh, you had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, because it's a very light story, I want to have a very pompous title, uh, having, having fun with it. So, in hindsight, it was probably the wrong venue for her proposal. Yes, she'd first asked him out at a fleet bowling party, which is one reason she'd chosen the bowling alley. The fact that the alley was aboard an orbital habitat that housed 40,000 people was immaterial. Still, she invited their mutual friends, but skipped family. Her parents were Earthside and weren't going to come up for a night. Her sisters, busy as usual. Her, his parents were divorced, remarried, and couldn't stand the sight of each other. Not what she wanted tonight. Tonight was about them and their future. Maybe they'd only been dating for four months. So what? When love was right, it was right. It didn't matter how long or how short the relationship was. All her friends said so. So did all the easings and the stupid rom-coms she giggled at with Shannon and hated herself for wasting time on the next morning. She was going to propose to Elliot. She'd gotten pointers from Petra, who'd also proposed to her husband. She'd also received advice from both Ayanna and Kendra, which was a bit weird. Kendra was the admiral, for the gods' sake. She knew she could do it. Hell, she ran a squadron, didn't she? That was one of the obstacles, of course. She ran a squadron and wasn't about to give it up. He was tactical officer aboard the Enterprise and wasn't about to give that up either. Whatever shape their marriage took, it was going to mean long separations unless one bent to the career of the other. A voice interrupted her musings. Hey, Daniela, she looked up. Hi, Shannon. Nervous? Nah, he'll say yes. No, I meant about the party. What party? The birthday party for Wrangler? What? You didn't know? His buddies booked a couple lanes tonight so they could get stonkered while making fun of his hook. No, oh crap. She called up the reservations on her implant. There was hers, lanes one through four, and yep, looked like mutant had booked lanes five and six. Well, we'll just deal. Hi, babe, she said, giving him a kiss. She took his arm and started walking with him. Sorry I'm late. Staff meeting ran over. Your fault? She fingered his uniform jacket. She was in casual clothes. Much as she loved her pilot's uniform, she was not going to propose marriage in her combats. Well, never mind. She emphasized her point with another kiss. Come on. He slid his hand into hers and said, what's the occasion? No occasion, at least not for us. Wrangler's throwing a party, so it's probably going to get noisy, but we're just taking a chance to get together with some friends. They might have been dating for four months, 
but he knew her tells. Uh-huh. Pull the other one. <clears throat> the sound from the lanes was getting louder. Maybe a little celebration of Shannon's promotion. And yours, the pride in his voice shone and lifted her spirits. Don't remind me, groaned Daniela. I didn't think being Shannon's deputy would carry so much extra paperwork. He opened the hatch for her and the volume jumped. You know the fleet flies on paper, not antimatter, right? I'm learning. She returned away from mutant before veering left to join their friends. The welcome was raucous. Dire wolf pilots weren't noted as shy and retiring, and the starship crew felt they had to uphold the honor of their vessel. The parties mixed naturally. After all, Shannon was a former wolf commanding officer and had trained a bunch of them. It interfered with Daniela's plans since she needed a moment where their friends were being pulled in different directions to pop the question. She had time. Unbelievably, there was some actual bowling going on for values of bowling. Bowling balls were headed more, more or less down the lanes at irregular intervals, though the pins weren't in any particular danger. Then Hopalong had the bright idea of adjusting the gravity. One of the benefits of living aboard the Njord was all gravity was artificial and controlled. You could have it tweaked to fit, whether you wanted to do some low-G gymnastics or increase your weight training without getting additional equipment. And Diana, the station AI, could do this in any area, including the bowling alley. Hey, Diana! Her usual avatar appeared. Yes, Hopalong? We ain't hitting shit. Less gravity. The slightly slurred words didn't seem to bother her. It's a problem with your aim, not the gravity. No, we're good. We just need less res resist. The balls need to be lighter. Very well, hop along. What setting? Let's do Luna normal. Moon ball. No, series. 130th G for lanes five and six in effect. Thanks. Grab a beer if you want. Perhaps another time. She vanished. He grabbed a ball, shoved past Jammer, and launched it down lane. In the reduced field, it didn't even arc. Instead, it flew the entire length before disappearing into the back of the lane, completely missing the pins yet again. Daniela only noted it in passing. She was still gathering her group together. It took several minutes, punctuated by the occasional cheer or groan from Wrangler and his buddies, but she finally had them all following her. It helped that Wrangler's birthday cake was on its way out, a white monstrosity in the shape of a wolf shuttle. Elliot was up next on lane four, his last frame. Perfect timing. His first throw was a bit off, leaving the 10 pin standing. After this, she thought, ring in hand and moving closer. Her friends grew silent as she realized the moment was now. Elliot remained blissfully ignorant of the non-commotion behind him. He lined up and released, the ball spinning down the right side of the lane, the edge closest to lane five. Artificial gravity does odd things at field boundaries. There are ebbs and eddies, turbulence and interference zones, and the steeper the gradient, the stronger the effects. Daniela was a veteran pilot of the hottest bird in the fleet. She'd seen plenty of oddities in her flying days. She'd never seen anything quite like this. A third of the way down the lane, Elliot's ball abruptly rose as if it had entered a vertical U-turn. Elliot squawked in surprise, drawing every eye to the wildly spinning ball, now veering over lane five and heading towards the pilots clustered around the cake. 
They dropped to the deck to avoid the four kilo missile, which slammed into the pastry, which more or less exploded. <laughs> Everything within three meters was covered with cake and icing, including Daniela, still standing, watching the progress of ball. She was liberally splattered from head to toe, including the ring. Chocolate, she thought, licking her lips and wiping frosting from her eyes. She saw Elliot, shocked into stillness, lightly dotted with pastry debris a meter away. away. Daniela held out the cake-transformed drink. Marry me? Elliot sputtered, wiping at the cake in sudden silence, and Daniela's heart dropped. Oh, God's love me, how in the seven hells did this happen? What if this is an omen, a warning? Her arms settled lower, her thoughts raced, and all the doubts and worries which plagued her took their turn. Then he was pulling her to her feet and embracing her, cake and icing be damned. Yes, I'll marry you, he was saying. Then he was kissing her, and her world brightened again. They gradually became aware of the cheers and applause of their friends around them and reluctantly separated. He said, yes, Daniela shouted. Kind of figured, Shannon shouted back. I don't think it's official until you give him the ring, added Locksmith. Elliot waggled his fingers at her. Laughing and aided by the icing, she slid the ring down, giving him another kiss for good measure. Elliot raised his hand, rotating it so everyone could see. Chocolate, he said. I always dreamed of a chocolate ring. She leaned into him and his arm came down around her. Hey, Danny? he said under the din before they were mobbed with well-wishers. Yeah? Next time you have a question, a life-altering one? Yeah? Ask me in quarters. And no cake? <laughs> His shake, head shake was emphatic. No cake. Deal. Oh my God, that was hilarious, Adam. I'm crying from laughing so much. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. I hope everyone... Um, enjoyed that reading because I bloody well did. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I knew when you mentioned about gravity and bowling balls, they don't go together. Something is no. not going <laughs> to... So, something's not going to end well. No. <laughs> no. But they'd only been together four months and she proposed to him. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Don't waste that time. their time in your uh, universe, do they? Well, the, the, the larger context, remember, these are stories that are set in a larger universe. The larger context of this is that there's a war going on, which they're both involved in. Mm. So she's, she's much more at risk than he is because she flies a little 20 meter long fighter. He's mm. flying around in a 400 meter long, 400 meter long starship. Um, so she's like, I'm I'm not I'm not wasting time. The opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't I got know it. If, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, so I'm asking today. That was that was really cool reading. That's I love the I love the uh, world building, the universe that you've created. And uh, where can people find your book, Adam? So you can the, the first place that people should go is go to my website, CassidyChronicles.com. That is the best place to find the links to the free samples and also to get the books, most of which are on Amazon. It is, they are gradually coming out of Kindle Unlimited, so they're going wide, uh, but it's a gradual process. But some are available on Kobo and Barnes and & Noble and 
uh, even Apple. Um, so they're available all over the place and you can get them in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audio. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, you can I, say I, that. I, I love, I love hearing <laughs> the audiobook versions. Um, I've, I've gotten, you know, I, I've been very selective with the narrators, but the narrators that I have chosen have done a really good job with them. That's cool. That's wonderful. And and for me, you can find all my links for social media, my podcast, radio show, all of my books on my link tree, which will be link a T R and then E and then dot E uh, stroke Karina Gantus. So link tree with a dot in between the two E's. Uh, yeah, stroke green agantus it's yeah it's very strange but uh, amazing place to have all your your links in one place so you don't have to go through oh go here go here go here just go there everything's there for you um thank you so much adam for joining me today on read across america um well, thanks for it, having me this was a lot of fun i love it, it has your been. stories Thank you. I loved hearing yours. It was nice to step into uh, your uh, universe, and I understand why you can't get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) And there's so much happening. And so much more to happen, so much more to come. Absolutely. Well, everyone, um, make sure you you check out uh, Cassidy's uh, Chronicles and you pop over to Adam's website. And uh, I'm all over the shop, so anywhere you want to find me, just uh, type in Karina Gantus and I will be there. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you all have a wonderful day, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in this world.